Good morning. Spring is on the way. You can just feel a little spring in the air this morning and goes right along with the video and the cultivating and new plants and all that stuff. And so uh, excited to be with you this morning. Uh, as Monty said, this is a little bit uh, of a different morning than what typically happens at Fellowship. And one of those differences is I'm only preaching for 15 minutes. So I have felt stressed all week. How can I unpack the Word of God? Uh, I stretch it as hard as I can. I have a 35-minute time limit usually, and I love to hit 39 often, right? So I get chastised every week in evaluation, and I'm, re I'm repentful. Is that a word, repentful? Sounds good, doesn't it? And uh, then I do it again. So uh, I know some of you can identify. But... Uh, in light of that, uh, it is a little different morning, but uh, this week I read where this, this, uh, this couple sold their house and moved in and lived on a boat, and, and what they said was, in order to make room for what was important to them, she actually said, it required me to have to really think about what I actually need versus what I want. And we know that from our own experience, that making room for or creating margins for things in our lives for, for what is most important does require some work. It requires some time. It requires some hard choices. And for us as Christ followers, that's really, that's really a main core of our life, to continue to evaluate Right? What, what's most important for today, for this week, for this month, for this year, for this season of our lives? And look, the scriptures are full of words and phrases that it repeats over and over to us. I, I did a, a, just, a, just went through the New Testament this week, just, just skimming in, the, in the, not the Gospels, but starting in the Epistles and Romans and Acts, just, just skipping through it reading fast, and it was amazing the phrases. Nearly in every chapter, every paragraph, phrases like, Awake, O sleeper. Be careful how you walk. Do not be foolish. I beg and plead with you, Paul said on many occasions. And all of these phrases really are an exhortation for you and I to do what? To make room for... What's important? Because <laughs> our natural bent is to waste our lives. Our natural bent is to just go along in life and be blah, 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 and die. And the scriptures say, God himself says, no, I want to actually transform you from your natural bent to this God-induced making room for the mission moment by moment, day by day, month by month, and year by year. You don't have to live blah, blah, blah. So, as the early reformers said, their motto was always changing. And that's exactly what we as a church have been trying to do over the last five weeks to see how we can make room for the mission of God in our lives. We've considered 
as your notes indicate this morning, the vision of deepening our roots in Christ and what that means. We, we talked about prayer, that each of us would be, that we would pray God-centered, gospel-centered prayers, that each of us and as a church would be made fit and faithful and God-honoring. We talked about legacy, that we would, we would pass the gospel on to the next generation faithfully. And that when we, you and I are with Christ, we're still alive here because of the lives we've invested in. Generosity. Learning to live with open hands and open hearts instead of tight-fisted, it's mine. And we talked about faith. That you and I walk well in this life with our spiritual teeth sunk into the promises of God regardless of our circumstances. And then this morning, we're going to take a few minutes to look at finding and following God's lead. And to do that, we're going to look at a very familiar passage, maybe one of the most familiar in the Old Testament. It is the calling of God on Samuel's life. And, and uh, our little passage is in your notes there, and obviously they didn't give me long, so I feel like I'm, doing, I'm not doing due diligence to the text, but we're going to make some big picture surface observations in light of our context this morning. So we asked the question, who is Samuel? Samuel was a prophet, and in one sense, Acts 3.24 tells us, he was the first prophet. First in that, he was the first of the prophets who was a mediator between God and the Israelites when Israel was ruled by a king. His role was to reveal God's will to the people of Israel. But before he was a prophet, we know he was just a boy. And in this text, he's about 12 to 14 years old. He's working as an apprentice to Eli, who is the high priest. Notice in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And here's why it was rare. God loves to speak to his people, but his people were not listening and obeying. So part of God's discipline to them is that he would shut his mouth and be silent. Here is an indicator that God is going to find someone, i.e. Samuel, who will listen to him and obey him. And in light of that, Samuel was the spark and start of God's new prophetic revelation to his people through mediating prophets. The setting is this. Eli, the high priest, some say 98 years old. So we'll say early to mid-90s, if not late 90s. He can't see. He's blind as a bat. That's my interpretation. And he was lying down at night in his own bedroom, and Samuel is really sort of on guard inside the tabernacle not far from him, but he's actually right by the Ark of the Covenant. He's inside the Holies of Holies, and they're not far apart. So it would be natural if Samuel heard Eli's voice, that he heard a voice, he would think it was Eli. There are the only two there probably. And we see in this passage three times that God calls Samuel, but Samuel thinks it's Eli. So he gets up and he goes to Eli and he says, yo, what'd you say? And Eli says, I didn't say anything. You know, the third time, Samuel, 
Eli tells Samuel, go lie down, and if God calls you again, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. That's exactly what our text tells us happened. So I want to take a minute to give us two observations. The first one is this. Samuel's heart was ready to hear. His words back to the Lord were as Eli instructed, Speak to me, Lord. I am listening. I want to hear from you. And three, chapter 3, verse 19, that is not in your notes, gives us the second observation. And that is Samuel obeyed what the Lord told him. Listen to what 1 Samuel 3.19 says. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. How about, how about that for a life? That the Lord was with him. And whenever he spoke on behalf of the Lord to the people of God, God let none of his words fall to the ground, meaning Samuel accurately represented the God of the universe to his people. There was a lifetime of listening to the Lord and obeying the Lord for Samuel. Let me just highlight some things about Samuel's life to indicate that. Samuel actually is the one who anointed the first two kings of Israel, both Saul and David. God told him who to anoint, and Samuel did it. I already mentioned he was the first of the mediating prophets. Samuel was the start of God's prophetic revelation to come alive in Israel. He's also a priest, so he made sacrifices. Look, that, look up that job. You know that TV show, Dirty Jobs? <laughs> he worked on behalf of the people to bring sacrifices and offering prayers and intercessory prayers for the people of God as a priest. The psalmist in Psalm 99 ranks him along with Moses and Aaron in terms of calling upon the Lord for help. And he's only one of eight people that God calls by name twice in the entire scriptures. A lifetime of hear and obey. We know the old hymn, trust and obey. We could change it up here and say hear and obey. Over and over again. I want to remind us quickly, it's simple, how it is that God's people even today hear from God. The first is God speaks to us through his word. Personally, as we open the scriptures, as we hear the scriptures taught appropriately and rightly divided, God speaks to his people first and foremost through his word. And if you have thoughts and feelings and emotions that are contrary to his word, it is you that is wrong, not his word. Secondly, we pray for strength to apply all that we hear from his word. Lord, help us to obey. To hear and not obey is a disaster, is it not? Three, we consult with others, other Christ followers. Wise is the one who has the counsel of many. Does this make sense? As I'm thinking right about this, so wise to do that, to check ourselves. And lastly, we obey. That has 
These four things have been the pattern for Christians since the beginning of Christianity. Simple, profound, but we find it much more difficult to, to do than to know. This is really a life of surrender to God. Over and over and over again for your good and for His glory. For my good and His glory. It is how humans flourish to live this way. Hopefully, our prayer as leadership of this church is that's what all of us have done during this series. We have heard the word. We have prayed through the word. We have counseled with others, and then we obey. Let me just remind you of this. This life of hearing and obeying and surrendering that's a lot scarier than writing a check. That's a lot scarier than you bringing your commitment to making room for the mission. Is it not? It is for me. I wouldn't go say this. I got emotional. Y'all make me get emotional when I teach. Y'all make me teach the Bible. I can't, I can't get over the first time I did this. Been a Christian for two and a half months at a Christmas conference where I went down and I said, I'm all in, no, having no idea what that looked like. Afraid out of my mind in terms of surrendering to the Lord. Uh, but I knew one thing. I didn't want any more of what I'd been living. <laughs> That's all I knew. Us bringing our gifts this morning and obeying God's leading in our life is a part of, or just a picture of, us bringing our whole lives. Yes, this is a significant moment for you as an individual, for us as a church, but I want you to remember it's just a moment. Just a moment. It won't define you. What will define you is a lifetime of these moments. God has many more things to say to you and I. We have many more acts of surrender and obedience to Him. And the vast majority of those acts of obedience and surrender will have nothing to do with money. Samuel said yes to making room for the mission of God for a lifetime. You have said hopefully yes to God for making room for the mission of God. This morning, its implication is bringing a financial commitment to our facility expansion. But big picture, and that's beautiful, it reminds me of Paul's words in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I want to read from you from the message this morning. Uh, because it's earthy, it's down to earth, and it, it makes sense for us. So, listen to Paul's words. Oh, here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering, surrender. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. 
Instead, fix your attention on God. Make room for him. You hear all that Paul's saying? You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. That's the picture of our series, Deep Roots. I want you to take a minute, and I want you to close your eyes, and I, I just want you to pray one thing. Man, we, our lives will be changed by this. Lord, help me to listen to you and obey you. Listen and obey. Help me, Lord, that I might hear your word. And whatever it is, and say yes over and over and over for a lifetime.